We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we have Marcy Forta, who has started an organization called Atzvi, which Atzvi means myself, and she'll explain it more. It's about people, um, teenage girls, and body image, eating disorders, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's become a scourge. It's been a scourge for a long time already, but somebody's doing something about it. It's really cool. We have lots of music sprinkled throughout the show. The second half of the show, we will be uh, speaking about the portion of Vayera. we got continuing good Bible stuff. This is the story of Abraham continues. A great Hasidic story all the way at the end. But before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Syria reported that one person was killed and three people were wounded in Israeli airstrikes near Palmyra. An Israeli border police officer was wounded as a 22-year-old Palestinian tried to run him over at a checkpoint just outside of Jerusalem. Security forces opened fire at the vehicle. The attacker was handed over to Shin Beit for questioning. Two Arabs threw firebombs at Israeli cars outside of Jerusalem. IDF soldiers shot and killed the two. In some other news, Israel, excuse me, Australia is the next country to adopt the international Holocaust definition of anti-Semitism. Go Israel. Get on you, mate. A Jewish man in Texas who was given the death penalty for his part in a prison break that killed a guard will receive a new trial because the original judge showed an anti-Semitic bias. We'll see what happens. A Nazi flag and his anti-Semitic incidents around the world, which were reported. A Nazi flag was flown outside a private home in Townsend, Vermont. The town council has been urged to issue a condemnation. You can't tell a person you can't fly a flag outside your house because it violates freedom of speech. But you can condemn it. Another news, a 23-year-old Jewish man was shot with a BB gun in a drive-by shooting in Crown Heights. The man suffered injuries to his head and leg and is in stable condition at a local hospital. The shooter is still at large. And vandals scrawled a swastika on a car belonging to the Santa Monica campus rabbi Moshe Levitansky. And some really good news, Israeli-born Joshua Angrist is the third Jewish person chosen to share a Nobel Prize this year. That makes it three out of 14. Angrist won the prize in economics. Franchise giant 7-Eleven will be opening 22 stores throughout Israel. The stores will be closed on Shabbos, so they can actually call them 7-Elevens. Last week, it was a 27-year-old toilet. This week, a Byzantine wine press that produced close to 2 million bottles of wine yearly was discovered by archaeologists near Yavna, Israel. And finally, the Cherokee Nation of Alabama recognized the sovereignty of Israel with Jerusalem as its undivided 
capital. Thank you so much. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online Marcy Forta, a Detroiter, who has started an organization called Atzmi, which Atzmi means, I guess, myself. It's got a lot of different meanings. It means essence. There's, it's one of those words that translates many ways into Israel. And we'll let Marcy Forta explain what it means as far as organization. They deal with uh, teen girls and body image, you know, eating disorders and things like that. How are you? Good, Baruch Hashem, how are you doing? Good, thank God, I'm doing well. Are you on speaker? I have you on speaker, is that bad? Yes, take me off speaker and put me right into the phone. Okay, Okay. can you hear me better? Yeah, that's all tons, like the Aneruch. Okay, so I already did my introduction, so I just said, how are you? Let's try it again. Okay. So how are you, Marcy? I'm good, thank God, Rabbi. How are you? Okay, thank you. Thank you for asking. We're doing well. Okay, so tell us about Atzmi. Atzmi is an organization that was founded to support the health and mental well-being of our Jewish Orthodox adolescent girls. We do this via programs uh, we've designed to increase their self-esteem, their self-confidence, their body acceptance, and then we work to also reduce the focus on outward appearances. Okay. Um... Why is this necessary? Let me ask that question. Well, that's a great question, actually. Um, so there are a lot of facts and statistics about, you know, uh, mental health of adolescents and girls in particular. Um, we have learned that um, we found that, uh, excuse me one second, here we go. Um, there's a lot of people with eating disorders and disordered eating type symptoms, um, People between ages of 5 and 80 are affected by eating disorders. 33% of 5 to 9-year-old girls are already exhibiting symptoms of disordered eating. Um, Females are twice as likely as males to have issues with eating. And in fact, 9% of all people in the United States will be diagnosed with an eating disorder in their lifetime. Um, We've also found that those people who have a positive body image will have higher levels of both physical and psychological health. Um, and that um, prevention programs and programs that boost up the girl's self-esteem and self-confidence empirically do work. As far as our specific community, the Jewish Orthodox community, uh, there are not a ton of empirical studies, but the ones that have been conducted show that our girls might be as much as twice as likely to develop an eating disorder, um, that we have we suffer from a little bit of a fear of stigma, which prevents some of us from getting help when we need it, And, um, you know, 60% of Orthodox Jewish mental health professionals actually believe 
that our community is underserved regarding mental health treatment. So prevention is the key. Okay. Is this a problem which is universal or is it only in developed nations, would you say? Actually, it used to be more Western and developed nations, but it's worldwide that people have issues with disordered eating, distorted body image, eating disorders. It's everywhere, even places with social media, without social media, westernized countries. It's all over the world. Hmm. Okay, because I would think that somebody like in a, uh, an underdeveloped nation where they just have problems with getting food wouldn't necessarily have such a problem because they're not eating anyway because they don't have it. But maybe that's a, that would be a, a stigmatism, stigma that I've developed over the years. Well, they might have issues, actually. Um, th- those kinds of people, it's more um, important for them to be heavy. So not all eating disorders are anorexia and bulimia, which is a common misconception that it's all about only trying to get thin. There are other types of eating disorders, such as binge eating disorder, which is actually the most common type of eating disorder. Anorexia is only the third most common type of eating disorder. So in underdeveloped nations where they don't have a lot of food, people who are heavy are looked at as being healthy. So it's kind of opposite of what it is here, but it doesn't mean that there aren't issues with food. There's just more food scarcity and issues in that way. Good point. What got you interested in this, Marcy Forta? Um, well, a couple things. Um, you know, uh, five or seven years ago, I owned um, a SNEAS women and girls clothing store. and could, I watched, Could you explain the word SNEAS, please? Sure. Modest, um, kind of adhering to our halachic guidelines, the Jewish guidelines of how girls and women should dress. And I watched the girls and the mothers both, because we, we service both of them, just struggle. They were paralyzed by the size inside the clothing. Um, girls struggling with their changing bodies as they became women, how to dress themselves, what their bodies looked like, mothers struggling with their daughters, mothers coming into the store regularly apologizing to me that they just had a baby, their body isn't back to where it used to be. I just saw so many people struggling with body image and um, disorders that way. I personally struggled with an eating disorder when I was a teen. Thank God I was able to overcome it and have a family and live a beautiful life. But I, I know the struggle. It's a very real struggle and it's very difficult. And I wanted to see what we could do to head off these devastating disorders. Okay. Let's, let's talk about prevention and um, what some people are listening and would like to know just in general and generally. Like, for example, both my mother and my in-laws did not allow Barbies and fashion dolls into the house for the for the daughters or, or I guess for the kids to play with because they said it misrepresented what a female is supposed to be. So is it things like that? Is it the media that's pushing this type of thing? Is it is it commercialism? What do you think is behind? And what do you think? It's a two-part question. And then we as people who are involved in the world, we do live uh, what can we do to help combat that type of um, marketing, Marcy Forza? Great question. So my dissertation actually focused on risk factors in our specific community, the Jewish Orthodox community. But in researching that, I did a lot of research into risk. And there are many different types of risk factors. There is no one clear path that makes someone develop an eating disorder or not. Yes, media is influential. But we have parental influences in modeling. We have peer influences. You have cultural um, influences, environmental, religious. There are uh, a lot of different factors that go into the creation of an eating disorder. It kind of 
a girl has to have a certain type of personality. Most girls who get eating disorders might be a little more um, perfectionistic, have some tendencies towards certain types of behaviors, and then it's kind of like the perfect storm that comes together to create an eating disorder. You can't say that social media is the only factor that creates an eating disorder. Sure, um, it definitely influences us to maybe not feel good about ourselves and our physical bodies, um, but there are a lot of factors. So I think that that's great about the Barbie dolls and bringing those into the houses. I think we have to change the conversation, to be honest with you. I don't think it's fair to say we have to change social media and this will change how girls feel about their bodies. Women have been struggling with body image issues for many years. And not to say that men and boys don't. This is just my area of expertise is with women. I'm not discounting the fact that men and boys don't have struggles. But women have had them for many years before social media was ever as big as it is now. Um, and so we have to change the conversation about physical our outward physical appearance. We, when we meet people, we ask them, we say to them, you look great, did you lose weight? You look beautiful, your dress is gorgeous. Little girls, you look so lovely today, honey. You know, those kinds of conversations, we don't always have to make things about physical appearance. Maybe it's just, I'm so happy to see you, I haven't seen you in so long, what have you been up to? We have to talk about other things. Parents have to promote health over thinness a lot of mothers, very innocently, mothers are never trying to hurt their children, might talk to their daughters about how important it is to be thin, why that's important to them, or you know, how things are in our family. And they're not meaning to hurt their daughter. They're really trying to help her down the road that she shouldn't struggle with issues such as these. But we all have different types of bodies. We're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to have a one specific body type. And so it's really important that we recognize that we're all different. Okay, so um, if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dr. Marcy Forster. She has an organization called Atsmi, dealing with uh, body image in just teens or just females, Marcy? Just female, adolescents, mostly. Adole mostly adolescents, okay. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned before the word sneas, which means modesty. And modesty uh, adheres to more than just a uh, way of dressing. It mm -hmm. also, it's a, whole, it's a whole way of carrying oneself. Like, for example, I would consider it immodest if I were to comment on a woman's appearance. That would not be as a, as a rabbi and an orthodox person. And uh, so for me to say to a, per, to a, to a, a woman who's not my wife or, or directly related to me, hey, you look nice, or hey, did you lose weight, would, would really not be appropriate. So if you're, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's the way I was taught. So... Mm -hmm. Is there not then this sort of like built-in uh, safeguard within Jewish law to, to form attitudes towards body image? Well, again, that's the, that's the men toward the women. If you look at empirical data also, which is quite interesting, they found that in schools that are single-gender schools, so all-female schools, the levels of disordered eating and eating disorders is higher than in co-ed schools. Really? That in general, women are harder on women than men are on women. So it's not necessarily the men who are making the comments to the women or making them feel uncomfortable. Perhaps it's a father or a male figure in the girl's life. Most of the time it's going to be a peer, especially after the age of 11 or 12 when peers become this, this, one of the major influences in girls' lives. Usually before the age of 11 or 12, it's more the parents, but after that, peers become central. Um, it's usually a female person, a sibling, uh, a teacher, 
um, you know, somebody in the w- girl's life who is another female that actually kind of elicits the response. Uh-huh. Does bullying have any part of it in this, you think? Yes, and there is a lot of weight stigma and weight bullying in schools, and actually that is very uh, serious and difficult. I mean, 78% of overweight children versus 36% of non-overweight children report being teased or criticized about some aspect of their appearance. And this is in school mostly. This is during adolescence, and, and this is very hard for them. Adolescence is, as we know, already a difficult time for uh, children. They're kind of gaining their independence. They're going through a lot of hormonal changes physically, uh, you know, emotionally, spiritually. They're trying to create and develop their own connection with God. Um, it's a difficult time. So when we put these additional stressors on them, we're creating kind of that perfect storm for them to find another outlet to take back control in some way. And as we know, eating disorders are actually not about the food. Most of the time they just manifest through food, but they're really about control in some other way. Okay, so now let's talk about the idea of control. And let me ask, this might be why would OSME be necessary. There are organizations already in existence, Overeater Anonymous and 12 Steps programs. What's the niche that OSME is filling that those organizations aren't? Okay, great question. Well, there are already many prevention programs, I would say, in place. I don't know about that much about Alcoholics Anonymous. I know there's an Overeaters Anonymous. I don't know if that's right, appropriate that's for girls. I, haven't, I, I don't know enough about it. But there are, I am actually trained in several of the eating disorder prevention programs uh, nationally that, that are used in schools. Um, there are several problems with them. One is that they only address body image and appearance issues, and that is just touching the surface of what's going on with someone who develops disordered eating or an eating disorder. Um, that doesn't talk about the self-esteem and the self-confidence issues that go along with that that are a little deeper. So I wanted to delve a little deeper into the problem. But also, many of these programs were not, well, all of them that I've seen, are not developed with the Jewish Orthodox teen in mind. So we have some additional factors and uh, cultural sensitivities that we'd like to adhere to when we talk about these types of issues. And so even though some of them have been tailored after the fact to be able to be used in the Orthodox schools, most of the schools are not comfortable using them for that reason. And which brings me to another point, which is very important. When, the, when we're, we're also in the process, we're almost finished developing our programs, we will get um, agreement or this, I guess a stamp of approval from local and hopefully national rabbanim who see the value in the program and okay it for the schools. As we know, in Orthodox schools, they're not just going to let anyone bring in a program. They're not only going to want to see it, but if, if a rav or a rabbi will certify it, that will make them more comfortable with it. Okay. Again, our guest today is Marcy Fort, Dr. Marcy Fortis. She is in charge of an organization called OTSMI with dealing with teen, adolescent, female body image, eating disorders, etc. Okay, let's talk about the culture of Judaism. Uh, I, I'm in, I, we have an organization called Jewish Ferndale, and mm-hmm. whenever we do anything, it could be like uh, today, Sunday, we're going to be having a gar- volunteer garden day where people are going to come and they're going to help in the, var- in the garden. And we, of course, are going to be re- providing refreshments. Everything we do, there's food, whether it revolves totally and completely around food, like a Shabbos dinner, 
or some kind of in anything, there is always something to eat in Judaism. Mm-hmm. I, I call it gastro Judaism. You, <laughs> you put out food and people come. <laughs> okay. How do you deal with gastro Judaism, Marcy Forza? Um, <laughs> that is very true. Um, there is nothing wrong with food. I think part of what we want to do is remove the stigma around food. There have been many programs, Health at Every Size, Intuitive Eating. The concept is that food is not inherently good or bad. It's something that we need for our physical bodies. And Hashem created the world in such a way that we need to eat three times a day and we have to feed our physical bodies. So food is not inherently good or bad. Our relationship with food, if we can create a relationship with food that allows us to understand how to use it in the right way, then moderation in anything is fine. I think part of what happens is, you know, we make so many rules around food. I'm not going to eat this food. I'm only going to eat it these times of day. I'm only going to eat these types of food. I'm going to go on this type of diet. We create um, a relationship with food that makes food good or bad. Uh, Then it's difficult. We've already kind of distorted that relationship. If we can create a normalized relationship, there's nothing wrong with having refreshments. Have something to eat. Don't overeat. Don't eat too much. Don't eat things that don't make you feel good. But there's nothing wrong with food. Okay, very good. Now, so there's a general concept in, in Judaism and what we're doing here in the world. It says in the Talmud that the Almighty didn't put us here to grind down mountains into dirt, but just to move one rock at a time. Meaning we don't have to do the whole thing. We don't have to be magnanimous about it. We just need to do a little bit. What seems you've taken on is an entire mountain range, Marcy Fortin. How are you going to deal with this? This is a very daunting task. What is your outline for success? How are you going to get to your end game? Okay, that's a great question. Well, first of all, the way I see Atni and our goal is that it's really important for me that we, we work on the positive aspects. Sure, we can lay blame, like we said, on social media or different cultural Uh, risk factors that we have in our community. But the point is we're not trying to change who we are and what we do. What we want to do is build the girls from the bottom up in a positive, happy, good way that gives them um, the ability to kind of withstand the challenges that they might come to. Um, So, and also the mothers of, the girls of today are the mothers of tomorrow. We might not change everything about the girls today, but they're going to be raising the kids of tomorrow So the conversations that they have with their daughters and the way they approach food and body image and the way they model to their daughters will be different if they've learned, if they've learned different strategies. And the approach that we're taking is kind of three prongs. We will um, work with the girls themselves. We have um, something also for the parents and then for the educators as well, which is so important. Um, The girls will kind of hit them in seventh or eighth grade and, the workshop there will promote self-esteem and kind of defocus on outward appearances. And then again in 10th grade, which will be more focused on body image issues, as 10th graders really uh, have the strongest, it's dieting conversations are the strongest among 10th graders, um, will promote healthy identity development and t- teach them how to develop self-compassion. And then we'll just do another kind of recap with a forum for open conversation in 12th grade. When we talk to the educators, I think it's really important for them to understand the statistics around classroom dynamics, which, which like we talked about, bullying, weight bias, body shaming, 
what types of things they should be on the lookout for in their classes, what kind of biases and prejudices exist in our communities. And then we're going to actually train the teachers how to implement our programs so that schools don't need to bring us in to do the programs. They, the teachers will be trained. And of course, signs and symptoms of eating disorders and, and, and how to head those off. Um, and then, you know, as far as parents go, again, we want to talk to them about promoting health over thinness. How do we promote healthy self-esteem in our girls? How do we educate them? We're going to educate them on the unique risk factors that are applicable to our communities, pitfalls to avoid, and then just those body image and self-esteem issues that get passed on generationally, because some of this is actually generational. And very interestingly, some new studies have highlighted the fact that the propensity for eating disorders is highly genetic. There are actual genetic predispositions to eating disorders, and that's some new research that's going on right now. And uh, the Holocaust and some of the tragedies that actually we've had and food insecurities have added to our propensity for them. That's a, that's, a, that's a whole lot to take on. Okay, you mentioned before that eating disorders affects people as young as five. So mm -hmm. if you're going into the schools at, at seventh grade, they're 12 already. Might it not be too late for some of them? Great question. Um, so as we talked about, kids who, before kids are about 11, it's the parents that are the primary role models, and that is what the parent seminars will be for. Those will be for um, parents of younger girls, um, that way they can kind of keep an eye on what's going on with them. Um, uh, the programs kind of that young that they've instituted aren't as effective. The seventh or eighth grade is one of the most effective ages to kind of create change. So it's kind of up to the parents to create the changes in their home. Um, we've had some focus groups and just kind of support groups for mothers of girls with teens as well on occasion just kind of to help them through that difficult time. Um, yes. I mean, you're not going to catch everybody, like you said. It's, uh, we're, we're trying to get as many girls as we can, but we're, like you said, we're not going to be able to get everybody. We just hope to affect change in as many people as possible. Okay, so then well, I think just a couple more questions maybe. Um, so ideal or optimally, I would think that, well, let me just ask the question. Mm -hmm. Would it be better for a parent to come earlier or, the, or because most, a lot of people are going to think, my kid doesn't have a problem. Of course, everybody's kids are perfect, and they don't have, a, they don't have any type of, like, especially a stigmatized uh, problem. Mm -hmm. do, the, do the parents have to wait until there is a crisis and they notice something? What would be a sign that should say that that parent should reach out to Atsmi? So parents are very in tune with their kids. If they notice any change in personality, in rules around eating, uh, in academic changes, changes with how girls interact with their friends, moodiness, which, again, can be adolescence. But normally parents can kind of see a change in their child. They should immediately bring it up to um, a social worker or counselor in the school and, and see what they have to say. Most of the time it should be that the counselors and the social workers in the schools should be able to refer them to the right people. I do have some resources on my website, and there is an organization called Relief, um, where they try to match you up with um, somebody who specializes in eating disorders. But it's better, like you said, to bring them in earlier and work with them before it becomes a diagnosed clinical eating disorder. Eating disorders are very difficult to 100% treat. Most, many times, you know, 
treatment is extremely complicated and costly, let's just say, and people can continue to struggle even after they've been treated and, they, and the disorder is a little under control. So it's much better to notice anything early that you notice and to bring it to the attention. The worst they can say is it's just normal development. Bring it up to the, your doctor. Bring it up to the social worker in the school. You know, there, there's no harm in asking that question. It's much better. There is stigma, you're right, but I really believe that we have come so much farther in reducing stigma in our community, in the world over, but especially in our community. There are social workers in the school. People have therapists. Um, you know, there are people that JFS in Michigan is doing a lot to reduce the stigma as well. I really do feel that we've come to a place where um, there's no shame in asking for help and that it ultimately is only going to serve to help our daughter more down the road okay. and prepare her for whatever she needs. Okay, great. How do people get in touch with Atsmi? Um, our website is atsmi.org, A-T-Z-M-I.org, and there is a contact page, um, or they can email me directly. I'm happy always to speak to anybody. My email is marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, at atsmi, A-T-Z-M-I, dot O-R-G. Okay, now you're dot org, so are you a charitable organization? We are. We are a 501c3. Um, yes, so donations, our donation uh, page will be up soon. Um, we're going to run completely, we're going to try to keep the cost as minimal as possible to the schools um, so that they can, all schools can bring us in uh, because we want to get the program out. So, yes, we're completely run by, uh, you know, charitable donations. Okay, that's great. That's going to do it for us. Our guest today was Dr. Marcy Forza. The organization is Atsmi, deals with uh, uh, body image and eating disorders and young young women, we'll call them that. If you want to get in touch with her, it's atsmi.org, A-T-Z-M-I.org. I want to thank you so much, and we thank wish you. you tremendous success, Marcy. Thank you very much. I mean, thank you so much. Okay, take care. We're going to take okay. a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Thinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We've got some very interesting music coming up during this half hour of the show, this part of the show. This is Moshe Lichtenstein. We played some stuff a couple of weeks ago. He's actually new on the scene, I think. This song is called Samach Tesamach. It is taken from one of the blessings, which is said at a wedding, and it says that basically the bride and groom, we have to make them happy. So let's make people happy. Samach Sameach Samach Rimali Sameach Sameach Samach Rimali Sameach Sameach Samach Rimali Sameach Sameach Samach Sameach, 
Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Herschel Finman here. You were uh, listening to the Jewish Hour. We got two requests this week, which is really cool. We hadn't been in a while since we got requests, but we did get some requests. If you have a request, go to RabbiFinman.com, send me a mail, and tell me what you like to hear, and we'll dig deep. We had to dig uh, pretty deep for for these two requests, let me tell you. Um, but go to RabbiFinman.com, send me an email, tell me what you'd like to hear, and uh, we'll play it for you. Coming up first... This is for all those klezmer aficionados, and this is also people who are into a little bit into jazz and swing. This is the famous Ziggy Elman. Okay, look, you've heard of Ziggy Elman, right? He's like, no, he's not even, no. Okay, Ziggy Elman was like the Jewish band leader back in the 30s. This song is from 1938, and this is his rendition of Bobolichki.
course, was Ziggy Elman, Bobolichki. Up next, we got a request. We were told that we don't play enough Sephardic music, so I, I kind of thought we sort of, kind of, sort of did. But one person we, who, who we have neglected because he did not put out a lot of records as far as that goes, and he was out. He was actually producing when they were called records. I don't know if there is if it's a CD. It's probably like a remake of it. Uh, but one of the one of the more the greats on the Sephardic music sound, and that would be, of course, the immortal. He's still out there. He's still doing them. He's cranking them out still. Uh, Yal Sharabi, and this is Shabachi.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion of this week is the portion of Vayera. It can be found in chapter 18 of the book of Genesis and following. It deals with the second part, middle part actually, of, of Abraham's life from the time he's 99 till the time he's 137. And he did live to be 100 and, and, uh, 175. At the end of the portion, there's the last of the 10 tests. It's called the Akedah, the Binding of Isaac. It's a pivotal point in Jewish, uh, Jewish thought. And, but we're going to discuss what's the deal. Basically, not basically, this is what happened. God told Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. The Torah is eternal, which means that everything happens in it is relevant to all times. Now, human sacrificing? No, that's not relevant now. In fact, there are a lot of people sitting in jail that, you know, under, under really close supervision who have said that God told me to kill my kid. We look at that. This is like a really sick person. So, and here, Avram's being commended for it. Oh, look, he's ready to sacrifice his kid. Oh, but, and he didn't, oh, yeah, okay. The whole premise, let's discuss the premise of it. And what do we take out of it? Okay, you cannot say, look, okay, I'm going to do everything Abraham did. I'm going to go sacrifice my son. You can't do that, no. That would be in violation of everything, every tenet of Judaism as well. What's the deal, though? What was the test and where was the test? And why? I don't know about why was the test. But Abraham was told to do something. And unequivocally, this is the Almighty. And we don't, we don't feel the same thing. I mean, the people say, now God spoke to me. We think they're schizophrenic. Back then, when people say that God spoke to them during the era of prophecy, other people felt that this person was a prophet. They felt the divine energy. They didn't think it was as uh, some kind of mental disorder. So we can't, we can't really put ourselves there as far as the storyline goes. But what do we, what do we t what learn from it? There was a certain amount of alacrity that, that Abraham did it. He did diligence. He made sure that it was done properly, that he was there. He, was, he took control and said, I'm doing this one myself. And even argued with God. You said at the end when God said, don't do it. And he said, but wait, you told me to do it. I want to do it. But no, that's not what the deal is. He says, now I know you're a God-fearing person. Because what truly is a God-fearing person? This is talked about in many books in Judaism. 
One thing for sure is not someone who's fearing God. It's someone who's afraid that if they do something wrong, they're going to be punished for it. That's not Judaism at all. Abraham showed the reverence that the Almighty, that's requested, required of our relationship with the Almighty. A respect and, and, and if the Almighty needs it, if this is what's written, as it says in the Talmud, that had we commanded to chop wood, there would be a mitzvah to chop wood. And we would, what would we do? We would chop wood. It's not a mitzvah, so we don't have to chop wood. That's, that's enough, we have enough mitzvahs. So the takeaway, though, from all this as to why, what was the deal, is what does the Almighty demand of all of us? The Almighty demands that we, we put in 100% of our effort. And very often there are those things that we hold precious that the Almighty says, I want you to do that one for God too. You think that one's yours? No, that one's mine. What did I give it to you for? Because everything we have, of course, is coming from God. I gave it to you to serve me. So you might hold it up in this in great, the most important thing in your life. But if need be, we need to utilize it for the service of God. When it comes now to sacrificing our kids, how should we sacrifice our kids? There's, listen, we are sacrificing our kids. We're giving up our kids. It is totally completely up to you to where are you giving up your kids? Are you giving your kids up to the social medium, social norms, social stigmas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so that you'll need an organization like OSME to, to deal with your kids' eating disorder? Or are we trying to provide, are we giving up a more healthy environment for our children and that they grow to be proper people who can raise children to be proper people? We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? We mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, if you have a request of something you want to hear, you'd like to talk to me about something, you've got some kind of question about something that was brought out in the show, that you'd like some more information about something. RabbiFinman.com and go to the contact link and uh, contact me and I'll get right back to you as soon as, as soon as I am physically able, God willing. What else is on RabbiFinman.com? We have archived editions of the show. We present Judaism in different ways. It's all on Rabbi Finman. It's, a, it's uh, my web master, web designer. I think he did a pretty good job. It, uh, I'll have to find out. Maybe we can update it to 2022 when that we get to 2022, but for the, it's, it still works, still does real good, still looks nice, it's got that crisp, clean look, and it's easy to, to navigate, which is such a good thing, I hate sites that are just like, where do I go from what, where is it, so rabbifinman.com, that's the deal, you'll also find at rabbifinman.com the donations page, the 
Jewish Hour is part of a 4013C corporation, a whole blanket organization, an umbrella organization with lots of other projects. And your donation not only helps the Jewish Hour, which you've been listening to for 51 minutes now, but helps other organizations, Jewish Ferndale, et cetera. And these organizations are doing good things for the community. Our motto is, is we make Judaism interesting, exciting, and fun. We bridge gaps between communities. That's what we're there for. And uh, so come on out. Okay, speaking of Jewish Ferndale, mark down on your calendar November 8th. We have Congressman Andy Levin. We'll be speaking about the Two-State Solution Act. It'll be moderated by Sheldon Freilich of the Zionist Organization of America Detroit chapter, and that's at 7.30. And, of course, light refreshments will be served, yes. And uh, we ask that only people who are vaccinated or who have been recently tested for COVID, like in the last three days, and do have come back with negatives, uh, participate. Please, we're trying to control the pandemic the best of our abilities. So RabbiFinman.com, don't like doing Internet giving? Send your donation to The Jewish Hour. 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. And that, of course, is the address of Jewish Ferndale. The story involves Rabbi Chil Michal Zlachover, who was a student of the Baal Shem Tov. He became a Hasidic leader, and there was a, he had a student whose name was Shia Shlomo, which that's a lot of sh- external onsonance over there, Shia Shlomo. Anyway, so... Um, he would come and complain all the time about how poor he was and how he didn't have money. So one day, this Michal Zlatshavar told him, you have to travel to such and such a place and go stay with this rich dude. The translation is my own. So he said, I don't even have the money for it to get there. He said, travel there. So he borrowed some money, and he tried what he could. He finally wound up walking, and he made the trek, and he finally arrived. And he told this, he knocks on the door of this person and says, um, Michal Zlatshover said, I should stay with you for a couple of days. And he said, fine, wonderful, I'm welcome to have you. I'll put you up in this room and here. And, this is, and he saw this person, stayed with him, that, that anybody who knocked on the door, he gave him money, and there were business deals that were going on, and money was just like flowing, and it was just like this. This person was like a Federal Reserve, and it was just like. And this Shia Shlom was thinking to himself, "What can I learn from this guy? He's fabulously wealthy and and doesn't have any financial problems. I can't put two nickels together." So he's about a couple of days went by, and he's about to leave, and he said, "Thank you very much. I appreciate your hospitality. You're a wonderful person." But I really don't understand what it is that Reb Michal sent me to you. He said, what were you coming to to see? He said, he told me that I lack trust in God. I lack betachin. So he said to, to, this rich guy said to to Shia Shlomo, he says, you notice that every once in a while I go into like a room and I stay there for a while? He said, yeah. He says, what do you think that is? He says, I'm assuming that's your your, uh, your your money room. That's where you got your safe, whatever. You got to keep your, your money there. He said, come with me. So he took him into this room. There was a chair and a table. And that's all. So he says, what is this? So this is, the rich man said to him, this is what happens. He says, I really have nothing. He said, talk about cash flow problems. He says, whenever something happens, Someone comes to me with a problem. I sit down and I dive into Hashem. And I say, Hashem, I want you to please find a solution for this. This is, this is something that needs to be done. And Loba, this is like just now recently. Somebody came to me 
He needed a thousand rubles. I didn't have a thousand rubles. So I told him, well, I'll work on it. I'll get it to you. So what happened? I came in here and I prayed to God. And then somebody else came to me and said, uh, could you please watch my, my money? There's 11,000 rubles here. I'll give you $1,000 for watching it. So now I have $1,000. Now I can go, go take care of that man's problems. The Shlomo, Shia Shlomo left with a new outlook on life, thinking that, yeah, God really does take care of us. That's going to do it for the show. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Thank you.